chapter 3. This is uh, such, a, such an eventful season. We've, we've been getting weekly uh, directives in our studies that I believe are really, truly from the Lord. I can, I can feel these directives. You know, there's different things that, you know, he instructs us, he teaches us, he leads us, but then there are specific things that he says, okay, I'm, I'm ready to mobilize this, I'm going to do this. And um, over the past few weeks, we've been told that we should, uh, we should prepare for breakthrough, that we should be in preparation. Uh, particularly this past week, we talked about the gates and the doors, and there are, there are things that the Lord is wanting us to begin to do, and we'll be speaking about these over the next few weeks regarding that in our prayer, and both corporately and, and in, in smaller groups. Um, but it's good to know that God is truly positioning us for some measure of, uh, of an extended point of ministry beyond what we've known to this point. And part of that is going to be in regard to things that he's going to be pouring into this place and into the hearts of the saints. And uh, it's an exciting moment uh, as we see crazy things happening throughout our world. I mean, I, I woke up uh, today and just did a brief scan of the, the headlines, and I see that um, after decades of uh, our military and so many of the militaries in NATO uh, investing, sowing life, sowing funds into the nation of Afghanistan, just in a matter of a few days, that nation has fallen. I read today that the, the president of Afghanistan has abandoned the nation, and we're scrambling to get our troops out, and uh, kind of reminds me of uh, the days of the last days in Vietnam. But um, who, who would have thought that we would be seeing the things we see, not just there, but in so many other ways, the tactics of the enemy being lodged against uh, uh, those who believe, uh, it's, it really is a mobilization on so many different fronts of a worldwide scale. And so today I, I just found myself drawn to a number of points all in this third chapter of, of Ephesians. So I thought that it would be good for us to simply read a section and then we'll talk about something that the Apostle Paul said there. But in that, there are releases of his spirit that God wants to, to speak about here and then ignite, ignite them into you. So the reason we're doing this today is that there are three or four points that the spirit is, is truly highlighting that he wants us to understand, but also with that he wants to impart them into us. So that's where we're going today, and I, I believe that it's a timely thing, because to me, the church at Ephesus really was functioning in the midst of so many things that we're experiencing today in the spirit realm. And so let's begin reading Ephesians 3, verse 1. 
For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given unto me to you, word, how that by revelation, and that's apocalypsis, that's, that's the being, being made aware of the overall, a, a segment of the overall plan of God. Um, if you've heard of the dispensation of grace of God which was given to me, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, the mysterion, the ongoing uh, unfolding of that bigger revelation. Uh, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the ongoing mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given. I want to just touch that for just a second. There's two nuances to that business about being the least of all saints. Now, we've often regularly tr translated this as meaning that he was just humble. He was speaking about the saints here. And while he was operating in humility, this word also speaks about a beginning. And, and to me, it reminds me of uh, the day of small beginnings. So Paul is reaching out in the mystery of God. He is, he is ministering to the Gentiles about being fellow heirs. He's teaching to them how to walk in the ongoing mystery of God. And he's saying that this is the beginning of the walk of the saints. And I recognize as I say it that I really am nothing, but and the, even the beginnings of this don't seem like much. But yet it was given by God. And um, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, verse 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery, the fellowship of the mysterion. That's an interesting thing. Which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. <sighs> wow, that's an incredible number of words. But we recognize that Ephesus, in so many ways, was truly a headquarters for so many things that were believed in the spirit realm you know it was it was a place dedicated to this being known as diana in the greek it was artemis and one of the seven wonders of the world were there they had this massive temple dedicated to this demon and this being was supposed to be responsible for a number of things that just basically would bless any home or any individual like it was, this was a being that supposedly watched over uh, any new life that came. So 
all the mothers in those uh, in the the ancient world who believed in this system would appeal to this being so that childbirth and and grandchildren would would be blessed but it also i don't see i i can it's kind of weird to say that this being also was in charge of the hunters and those that would go out and seek for food for their families those that were skilled in hunting for things so basically this being uh, was believed to be a point of blessing in every household and prosperity. Now, there is some who say uh, that perhaps John later on came into this city and went straight to this temple and proclaimed the cross, and there was an earthquake, and the, the giant idol fell over, and all, all, there's all kinds of apocalyptic stories about that. Whether they happened or not, the point is that this was a place that not only worshipped this being, but it was also known as a place uh, for uh, idols and fetishes to be made. And, and there were a lot of craftsmen that made a lot of money selling these things throughout all of the Mediterranean world and it, it really was not only a, a, a hotbed of worshiping demons, but it was also a very lucrative thing. And so Paul comes into this city during his second missionary journey, and you remember he found a number of men there, and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, you know, we're just following John the Baptist's uh, teaching. We didn't even know there was such a thing as a Holy Ghost. Now, these guys were there following John the Baptist's teaching in the midst of this wicked city, this city that was just so steeped in demonism. And, and so much of the, the people's wherewithal who lived in that city were devoted to that, to that type of belief. And you had artisans and craftsmen who came from all over the place. And so uh, to, to make money selling not only uh, uh, idols of this being, but so many others in Greek mythology. And so Paul comes in there, and he, he finds these people that were following John the Baptist's teaching, who, who spoke about repenting, and who spoke about turning your life back to God, which is kind of, a, it's kind of an interesting thing to think that these people would be planted there in the midst of this wickedness. And then we know the story. The Holy Ghost comes and moves upon them, and they receive the baptism, and Paul stays there for a couple of years, and he's teaching to where the Scripture says that all of that area of Asia, all the Jews and all the Gentiles heard the word of the Lord. That's quite a statement, but that's what the Scripture says. And we, we also recognize that by and by, you know, the people that were making their money selling this stuff, they get angry that Paul and his, uh, his uh, apostles, his disciples, were, were really causing a threat to their industry. So this guy, Alexander the coppersmith, he, he, or the silversmith, he comes and he says, you know, these guys are robbing us of the ability to make money and gets the town all stirred up, which... You know, they all had an interest in this. And so they all go cavorting into this giant amphitheater. And they, for two hours, are yelling, for two hours straight, great is Diana. 
Yeah, can you imagine that? Two hours straight. That's a political rally. I don't know if they had little red hats that said, "Great, make Diana great again. I don't know what they had, but uh, they were all wound up. And um, some of Paul's uh, guys, one of them named Gaius, they were drug in there to, to hear this. And some of the people kept Paul from it. And they said, you know, you better watch out now. These people are all wound up. But it was quite a spectacle. I mean, it was just amazing. And once that, the scripture says, tumult dies down, after Paul had invested years there, he goes off into Macedonia and he tells, he tells Timothy, we know this from 1 Timothy 1.3, you stay there because this was Timothy's hometown. How'd you like being a pastor in that place as a young man? You could see why his mother and his grandmother being full of faith and being intercessors, how that was even the more necessary. But what does he say to Timothy? He says, you stay there and you pastor and you guard against anybody coming in here teaching any other doctrine. Isn't that something? That was Paul's word in the midst of this setup. So not only did they have all this demonism going on, but they it was just a hotbed of of um of other doctrines we see that today yes we do we see demons in impersonating uh doctrines of devils being brought and saying you know this is of god you need to be following it and we see we see a lot of the things that are that are evident there in ephesus even this this the study about paul staying there while he was there for those two years. And people from all over the place were asking Paul to come. And even the story of the, of the sweat rags that Paul would send out and people would be healed and delivered, that, that was a miracle, but it was also very important for that society because these people had been used to buying little icons and little idols, and they would send them out, and those were supposed to be bringing freedom. They didn't do a very good job of it. But people would invest their money. So here's the Holy Ghost through Paul sending out sweat rags in the name of Jesus. And as they believed, people were healed and set free. Uh, he was sending them out for free. And so you could see how the, the story of, of the gospel and the power of the mysteries of God and the things that, that God was sharing in the presence of principalities and powers in the heavens. And then he tells Timothy, you make sure that while I'm gone, that what we're teaching and what we are setting forth in that mystery, that that's what you follow and you don't welcome other doctrines. You see, if the enemy can't get somebody to just bow down and worship him, he will take other tactics to try to destroy what, the mystery of the Lord is, and fellow heirs with Christ is. And if, if he can't get people to actually turn and worship the demonic, he'll send other doctrines, he'll send other things to try to water down what the people of God are supposed to be doing. And so I see a great parallel to where we are in our world today and is our walk as we're preaching the gospel to people throughout the nations to what Paul is saying here. The enemy doesn't have any new tricks. I mean, he tries the same things over and over again. He figures that generations will pass, and, and these demons that are still alive can try the same tactics. 
We need to see that our message from the Lord is a continuation of what Paul began in in the calling of the saints. And we need to see that our enemy is is manifesting many of the same tactics as he tried to manifest here in um, in Ephesus. You know, while Paul was in Ephesus, he wrote the first epistle to the Corinthians, and he sent it. Now, Scripture says that Apollos was over in Corinth while Paul was spending a lot of time in Ephesus. So you you see. Uh, you see that from this base, the Apostle Paul was able to do a lot of things, and he loved Ephesus. You know, you read further in this book. I've, I've often spoke about how powerful the Ephesians were. Paul speaks about spiritual warfare, the weapons of our warfare, our armor. He speaks about mysteries. He speaks about being seated in the heavens. He's talking about some very high-level and deep things in the Spirit. And it was because these people, in the midst of all of this darkness and these false doctrines and demons, these people thrived in the deeper things of the Spirit. And we should recognize that even though there's darkness trying to maneuver itself throughout the world, and it is, even though there are ways that the enemy is trying to infiltrate the church and even the very elect, and he is, that we can know the deeper things of God and move forth. And the, the, the indictment that Jesus brought in the letter that is recorded in the book of Revelation to the church at Ephesus was what? That they had left their first love. That they had somehow become um, worn out in seeking deeply after the heart of God. We need to recognize that that is a tactic that the enemy would try to use against this church in Ephesus in the scenarios that we just described. But in similar scenarios, this same warning is for us today. You know, the enemy cannot defeat the church who is moving in, in, uh, in the commands of, of, of the Lord. But the only way that he can can cause that church to lose its efficacy is to either cause the church to give up to become uh, those that leave the first love or to begin to buy into doctrines of devils, uh, to to buy into other doctrines. And the warnings given to Ephesus are warnings that we should take very seriously. And these people were ardent followers of the Lord. They were on fire. In fact, Paul, when he would travel, he said, you know, I want to get back to Ephesus. I want to be there for Pentecost. I want to, I want to go and spend... love. They were warned by the Lord, that latter word. And so I think that 
we need to say in the midst of everything that's going in our world today, we need to stay uh, cognizant of the fact that we are the saints, we are fellow heirs, we are moving according through our time spent with God and our study of the Word, the, the ongoing revelation of His mysteries. Now, some who were Pentecostal would say, well, that sounds a little weird to me, but you don't understand that the Scripture very clearly says that when you pray in unknown tongues, you are in the Spirit speaking mysteries. So you're weird too, whether you know it or not. Who's weirder, the person that recognizes they're weird or the person who's weird and doesn't know they are? Tammy, you figure that one out and tell us next week. Well, you won't be here next week. Well, when you get back, think about it in Georgia. Talk about it with Dennis on the way there. And you, you'll, you too will come up with something. But, you know, the point is, is that we rec- we've got to recognize that this is the way God set things in motion, and we need to cherish it and be this. Because, you know, the enemy will try to, to cause us to forget that. Or he will try to cause us to, you know, to, uh, to welcome some other doctrine or some other thing that's different than what God lays out for us. Or he'll just cause us to get tired and quit our first love. And we can't let any of those happen. Those are the three main warnings that Paul and the Scriptures give to this church in Ephesus. And and again, I believe that the saints are called to be on the cutting edge. I believe that we have witnessed that God is giving these things to us as the ecclesia in, in, in front of the principalities and powers and heavenly places. We are in our heavenly seats before God. We're ministering before him in the full armor. I mean, it's, it's, it's so much our identity in God, and we need to see this. So Paul, in this third chapter, he says in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. What does that signify? We've studied this in the past. What is the bowing of the knee in the Old Testament and the New? Well, just as a refresher, that comes from the Old Testament of that word barach, which means to not only be blessed, which is often translated as that, but to be blessed from a point of submitting yourself before someone of greater authority who is commissioning you to represent that authority and to go forth in power. So here's Paul bowing the knee. Why is he bowing the knee? Because he wants these folks to move into their appointed position in God, to, to take a step forward, to know a blessing that's beyond uh, where they've been in service to him. That, so what's he asking for? Verse 16, that he would grant to you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. To be strengthened with might. Two power words. The first one, the power from the throne. The second one, dunamis, the power of function. He wants the Father to release to us out of the riches of glory an empowering from the throne for our spirit 
to function in broader and more effective ways than we've known. We need that today. Do you know that this spirit that God has put within each one of us that became born again when we accepted Christ so that we could then pursue those things that are his truths, our spirit has capacity because it's God's spirit that is beyond anything we could imagine. It's not by might or by power or the energies of our hands, but by his spirit. And God is continuing to ex- wanting to expand that in our partnership with him. And so here's Paul bowing his knee in, this, in the context of what we've just read. And he said, I'm asking the Father on behalf of the riches of glory from the throne to send a function into your spirit that is beyond what you've known to this point. Read it. That's what he's saying. And that's what each of us need right now. And I believe that's what one of the things that the Father is wanting to do in each of us right now. And as that happens, verse 17, Christ, that being an anointed son, an anointed son to serve the Father, may dwell in your hearts, that steering will of our life, by faith, what God is going to continue to say from the right hand of the throne. That you would be rooted and grounded in his agape, that that would be your passion. You'd be rooted and grounded. Why those two words? Well, for one thing, let's start with grounded. You know this is what God's given to you. You're not being blown about by every wind of doctrine. You're not saying, well, you know, we learned that. Now it's time to forget all that. Let's move on because the word do- world doesn't understand it. We're grounded. We're, we're planted. And then our roots would grow deeper, greater points of sustenance, pre- preparation for growth, a way that we can withstand the pressures and the winds. You know, yesterday when, the, when that wonderful storm was blowing here, uh, I sat in our front room and was studying the Word, and I was just watching this massive oak tree out in, uh, out in the parkway outside our house. And that tree was just massive tree, just blowing back and forth, and, and the, 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 the branches were moving. It was just so beautiful. It was just clouds of rain would move through, and the wind would blow. And I thought, man, that is just, that's magnificent. It's just wonderful. And the only reason that tree could do that, because it, had, it somehow, in triology, had said, you know what, I'm grounded here, you know, and, and my roots have grown deep, and I can keep growing bigger and bigger, and when the winds blow, I'm just going to thrive. You're rooted and grounded in the agape. We want to have a passion to do what the Father wants done. And that, that we would recognize in that that we are truly serving our Father under His anointing. We are Christ-like. We are joint heirs with Christ. So this is what Paul is on his knees asking. Father, I want you to continue to quicken the, their spirit. I want you to continue to strengthen them with what you know from the throne they need to be doing as they function with you. 
And I want them to be rooted and grounded in the agape so that they can really function as anointed sons. That's an amazing thing, and we need that. It's not that we've not been doing our best to do that, but it's, it's a growing faith. You, you all are in a position that the Spirit is looking to your life and saying, I want to release a touch into your spirit. That spirit that I gave to you, you alone, when you were born into this earth. And, and the deposit of God's Spirit is the same in each of us, but it's different for each of us. Because God wants to do something different in each of you. And so only God, the Father, who gave that to you and who gave His Son so that you'd be born again can look and say, from my throne, what do I want you to be functioning in afresh and new in a way you've not known? That's what Paul is on his knees asking for. And that's what we all need right now. And I release that anointing to each of us. I want it, and I know you need it as well. And because, again, it's, 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 if, if we are moving in the power of the Spirit, and we are, and God is offering the opportunity for us to have an expanded capacity in the Spirit, and it's His timing for it, I want it. Uh, you know, it might be a good idea sometime today if you would just spend a time before the Lord and bow, kneel before Him, and, and quote this verse or read it and say, Father, I just thank You that You sent this Word today, and I ask, I welcome on my knees, you know what is coming. You know what is ahead. You know what you desire for me to be moving in. May I be strengthened with might in spirit from your throne, function in my spirit that I can serve you in a greater, in a deeper way. It says that as these things are happening, verse 18 you will uncomprehend with all the saints what's the breadth, the height, the depth, or the breadth, the length, and the depth and the height. Now, people get confused about that. We could teach on this for a long time, but really this is just speaking about how we are called to be functioning in the spirit realm. You know, the, the height, just very simply, represents our commune with the Father and the deepening of that. The, the depth is our growing and, and, and establishing that point of authority and confidence and the things God shows in His Word to do that. The, the length, the expanse of where God is calling us to go, and the breadth is really, to me, in so many ways, God bringing things and taking us into new points of understanding. To me, again, I, I, I don't have a scripture for this, so please don't say I'm not teaching the scripture. But to my understanding, that last one really speaks about, um, you know, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. The breadth really speaks about, for me, 
the, the openings into places in the Spirit, uh, access points, uh, ways that God brings things to me. Um, I, I know everybody must be different, but then again, I believe the principles of God are, are true. And, and just in my ministry here, you know, these operational points, these vectors, they all have meaning to me in, in the way God moves on behalf of this network and the way he communes with me. And, and I can remember, I don't know how many hundreds of times, when there would be a visitation from the Lord, it would always come from the sides in some ways. There would be an access point or an angel would speak or even sometimes from behind I'd hear a voice. And, and these things, Paul isn't just poetically speaking. These are things that, ways that we commune with God, ways that we function in the kingdom, and you'll notice that it is in conjunction for the saints to understand. You know, I don't mean this in a demeaning way, but honestly, when I was just in the general church, I'd read past that, and I never really, honestly, I knew it was the Scripture, but I never really gave it much thought. I just thought it was speaking property lines or something like that. I didn't think about what it meant for the breadth, the height, the length. I didn't think of understanding it. And if we're honest, I don't think any of you did either. Because it's just something that you think, wow, that Paul, he's something. You know, I don't know what he's talking about. That we went to understand with all the states what is the breadth and height, the width and depth. I mean, but, but it means something. And, and I believe that it speaks about our functionality in the kingdom, receiving from the Lord, establishing the cross in our assembly, being able to reach forth into the places God is leading us to, and all of those factors in the spirit realm, and then continuing to receive uh, measures of, of flow from the Lord, from the right and the left. You know, God speaks a lot about right and left, doesn't he? That's the terminology that he uses regarding faith and the fulfillment, right and left. And uh, we, we are at the throne. Cece mentioned a number of times today, powerfully, about us being in the Amman before the Lord. That right and depth speaks about hearing and receiving and then fulfilling. And, and it's like the wheel within the wheel. It's, it's the circle of the Lord. And the saints, according to what Paul says here in the anointed word of God, are, need to be understanding this, comprehending it, not just understanding it, but gaining a measure of function in it. And how often is the case, as it was with Jesus, what the Scripture says, all that Jesus began to do and teach, that was his pattern. Of course, he knew all things. He was functioning with the Father. He was, he was speaking forth as the living Word. But he did things, and then he taught. And for us, there are things that as we continue to grow that God will lead us into based upon our understanding of the Scripture, and through that we grow. Through that then we teach. You can't teach something that you don't understand, even though a lot of my professors in college tried. You, know, you can't teach things that you've never done. You can't give somebody something that you've not received yourself. And so 
when it comes to the things of the Spirit, especially when you have a mission to be a communication center to teach the nations, God is going to be leading you into new places based upon the Scripture. And that's why it's important to have the Word hidden in your heart that you don't miss the mark of God. I don't know how many times... You know what? We're seeing over and over again the enemy attacking from so many different angles the Word. It's just, it's, it's like an, it is a heightened agenda of the enemy to try to destroy people's belief in the Word today. And Christians, saints. And, but, but I've seen over and over again when we would be praying or the Lord would be moving in, in some really unique mode of vision um, that, that, that at times there you could discern that something wasn't quite right in 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 the in the corner of the thing and suddenly this this a scripture would come and i'd know that's not of the lord you say well you must not be doing something right if you're praying and there would be something over here trying to lead you off <laughs> we just need to wake up you know, when, when you're moving in the things of the Spirit, the enemy does not want you there. When you're moving as an intercessor, very often where God is taking you is places that are contested. And what is the enemy's main tool? Deception. And so, you know, here's Jesus in the wilderness. His very, his very first point of ministry, the Spirit throws him, ekbalo, into the wilderness. And there's the enemy. And what's the point of discussion? The Word. So we do, we learn, we found that in the Scripture, and then we teach. So this business of comprehending with all the saints is something that we're doing real time right now. It's, it's so interesting, and it is a battle. I could give you a very real-time uh, um, illustration of this, which I can't do because if it was just us sitting here, I could, but it's, this is going out across the world. But the enemy is really trying to disrupt what God is wanting to do, but he's not, the enemy's not going to win. We're going to keep moving. But Paul is saying that we need to have this touch from the Father, and we need to be strengthened in the Spirit. We need to uh, prepare ourselves for a deeper measure of Christ-like walk, and we are, as saints, going to be able to comprehend these capacities. It, it's, it's, it's a comprehension which is active, it's, it's, it's a growing comprehension. And I love that, that phraseology there that's in the original. Um, but, but through it all, and I think we end with this, to know the agape of Christ, the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Wow. We need that. Which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. The love of Christ passes knowledge. It keeps on adding to our understanding. It keeps on showing itself to be the one truth. And whether there are other points of demonic knowledge or other doctrines of men, 
the love of God keeps leading us past that with the Word of God at its center. And this is, this is something that we must have. I've noticed that as the love, the agape, waxes cold, or as with the case of, of Demas who forsook Paul and, and the, the, he, he invested his agape into the word, this world, the Scripture says, as the agape goes cold, other points of knowledge try to assert themselves. We must not let that happen. But this is a wonderful thing. And then the last verse that we'll read. Unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Our God is doing that. So all of this being said today, um, find time today to bow. I'd say do it now, but um, this is, a, again, this is not a corporate, this is a personal thing for you. Winford is not on his knees bowing so that Monty gets this, even though he wants that to happen. This is between you and the Lord. And, and I, I just ask you to, to, to find a place privately before the Lord and say, Father, I believe this is what is definitely what your word says, but I believe this is a timely rhema for me. So I submit myself to you. I ask that you will guard over me that, that I will remain faithful to your agape, to the passion for your purpose. And may you touch my spirit that you gave to me, and may you cause this to be uh, empowered in a new way according to what your throne has intended. And I receive that from you, Father. I receive that, and I thank you for it, because we all need it, don't we? We all need it. So, our world today, uh, it's probably some of these same spirits that Paul faced off with um, back there in, in, in Ephesus and in other places. And they're, they're trying the same tricks, but our God is greater, and we're going to remain faithful. Father, I thank you for this today. Um, I thank you for this congregation and the saints who will allow me to go on this Victor Glenn journey through the Scripture here. But I, I pray, Father, that the PowerPoints that you have highlighted would find a point of efficacy within each of us. And I speak this empowerment from you, and I, I commit this body and our, our fraternity of the saints to this ministry that you so clearly are speaking here uh, through Paul. Thank you, Father, for this. And I speak blessing upon every person in this house and those who are joining with us today. I ask you, Father, that whatever it is that they need in their life, that you would release that to them. If the Apostle Paul could send out uh, sweat rags from the point of work that he does, well, this is our point of work. You wouldn't want me building your, own, your tent. I can tell you that. There are more leaks in that than Swiss cheese. But this is our work. And so we send forth across the miles a word. This is our prayer cloth. 
we see, send forth a word, and we ask that those who receive it would be healed, set free. And I speak forth that word to our congregation here. Freedom, restoration, provision, life, encouragement, everything you need in the name of Jesus. And we ask it all in that wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being here. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. And um, bless you.